I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither prunes nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word to us. And thank you for giving us the, the spirit of truth, Lord. And we pray this morning that he would lead us 
into all truth, that as we look at your word together, you'd help us to see what you want us to see and you'd help us to live how you want us to live for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want us to begin this morning by asking you a very simple yet significant question, which is this. What is the goal of the Christian life? Or to make that more personal, what is the goal of your life? What is your goal this year? What is your goal today? What is your goal as you continue to live through this, this period of uncertainty, this lockdown situation? And what will your goal be when God willing life returns to something of normality? Well, according to Jesus in John chapter 15, whatever the global conditions, whatever's happening with coronavirus, whatever the, the personal situation you're facing right now, the goal of the Christian life remains the same. And that goal is to bear fruit for the glory of God. That's where John chapter 14 has been pointing us over these last couple of weeks. Do you remember the words Jesus has spoken to his disciples? He's about to leave this world. He's about to return to the Father by way of the cross to prepare a place in heaven for us there. And one day he's going to come back to gather them up to be with him where he is. But in the meantime, we have that glorious promise that Jesus left us with last week, that he's not going to leave us on our own. God has come to us. He's given us the gift of his spirit, the spirit of truth, the great advocate to stand alongside his people and to help us navigate the different situations of life as we journey towards heaven. Until that day when Jesus comes back to take us to be with him where he is. And the question for them at the end of chapter 14 is the same question for us at the beginning of chapter 15. How should we live as we wait? How should we live as we wait for the great ingathering of the people of God that day when Jesus returns to take us to be with him where he is? Well, the answer that Jesus gives us in John chapter 15 can be summarized with these words. We're called to remain. We're called to remain in close communion with Christ in order that we might bear fruit for the glory of God. Ten times in chapter 15, we read the word remain. Eight times in chapter 15, we read the word fruit or fruitful. What is the point that Jesus is making with all this repetition? Well, it's actually quite a simple one. As we remain in Christ, we will bear fruit for the glory of God because his life will be manifest in ours and his glory will be visible in his people. It's summed up brilliantly for us in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We've got an apple tree at the bottom of our garden, but it's actually in, in next door's garden, but the branches hang over uh, into ours. And the branches at the minute are about the, the height of my head. And it's a beautiful tree at the minute, covered in blossom. But over the next couple of months, as that blossom turns to fruit, those branches will be weighed down to the ground, loaded with fruit. It's the same every year. And that's the picture of the Christian life that Jesus wants for his people. He wants us to be loaded with fruit, to be full of the Spirit, to be full of Christ's likeness. And so the question for us this morning is one of fruitfulness. 
How do we become more fruitful in the Christian walk? Well, chapter 15 answers that question in two main ways. Firstly, if we want to bear fruit for the glory of God, then we need to be joined to Jesus. Have a look at verse 1, if you would, where Jesus is referred to as the true fruit-bearing vine. I am the true vine. You see it again in verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, as you may be aware, what we have before us is the, the last of seven astonishing statements that Jesus makes about himself in John's Gospel each of which begin with those precious two words, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am, says Jesus. And here in chapter 15, we learn that Jesus is the true fruit-bearing vine. And by implication, that means that there is another vine that did not bear fruit. And that's why we had the reading from Isaiah chapter 5 earlier in the service. Have a look at verse 7, if you would, of that chapter. Isaiah 5 verse 7 says this, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. You see, God in his kindness delivered his people from slavery in Egypt and he took them to the promised land and he planted them safely in the promised land. He cared for his people. He loved his people. He tended his vine. Yet when he came back to check out the yield, no fruit was found, verse 4. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? What more could I have done for my people, says God? When I look for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Israel was found to be without faith and without fruit. And as a result came under the judgments of God, the walls were knocked down, the vine was uprooted. And the nation of Israel was carried off into exile at the hands of the Babylonians. But you see, the wonderful news of the gospel is that there is hope for the people of God because God has promised to restore his vineyard and to make it fruitful once again. And it's that promise that is traced all the way through the Bible. And it lands this morning for us in John chapter 15, verse 1, where Jesus says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. What Israel should have been, Jesus was. Where Israel was faithless, Jesus was faithful. Where Israel was fruitless, Jesus was fruitful. He is the true vine. And therefore, the only way to be a part of the people of God is to be joined to Jesus. That is the only way to be fruitful. That's what we read in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will. Not you might or you maybe or you possibly could. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. It's incredibly humbling, isn't it? Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. 
Now, of course, on one level, there's lots of things we can do without Jesus. Without Jesus, we can do well at school. Without Jesus, we can succeed in our sport. Without Jesus, we can get a good job. Without Jesus, we can raise a loving family. There's all sorts of things we can do without Jesus. But you cannot do these things in a way that brings glory to God. You cannot bear lasting fruit if you are not joined to Jesus by faith. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yet in the same breath, with Jesus, you can do everything. Philippians 4 verse 13, this is what the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now again, the context is fruit bearing. It doesn't mean we can run up Mount Everest in 30 minutes in our slippers and our pajamas. It means we can do all things in life for the glory of God when we are joined to Jesus. And so my first question for you this morning is a very simple one. Are you joined to Jesus? Have you trusted in his death on the cross in your place? Have you trusted in his glorious resurrection to new life? Because as this passage continues, we're made aware of the terrible consequences of not being joined to Jesus, verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That's an easy picture to understand but it's a difficult picture to accept. Once a branch is severed from the source of life, it's dead. It will bear no fruit. It is of no use to the gardener. And so as we read in verse six, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. There is judgment for those who are not joined to Jesus. And that's why the clear call of Christ in these verses is to remain to remain in him, to remain in the vine, to remain in close communion with Jesus because there is no life outside of Christ. Firstly, if you want to be fruitful, then you need to be joined to Jesus. Secondly, if we want to be fruitful, we need to be pruned by the Father. Have a look again at verse one. I'm the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. And I don't class myself as a, as a gifted gardener. I think I'm more of a hacker uh, than a pruner, yet I think I know enough about gardening to understand the concept that when you, when you cut things back, they can become more fruitful. Yet you see, when it comes to our gracious gardener, when it comes to God, our Father in heaven, he's no hacker. He takes care of his vine. This isn't a part-time job for our gracious God. He is, he is fully committed to the care of his people because he's committed to making us more fruitful. And in verse two, we see that the Father is at work in two ways. Firstly, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruits. And we've seen where that picture leads in verse six. But in the second half of verse two, we learn that the Father is at work in a different way. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more 
fruitful. Here we have a picture of genuine believers. Those who are already joined to Jesus, those who are already bearing fruit, and the Father who delights in his vine will prune those branches. He will cut them back to make them even more fruitful. And as you search through the scriptures, I think this pruning happens in two main ways. Firstly, through our circumstances, and secondly, through the scriptures themselves. You see, God uses all the circumstances of life to shape his people, to make them even more fruitful. We read that in Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. God in his kindness will use all of life, even the more difficult moments, to shape his people, to nurture his children and grow Christ-likeness within them. However, what's primarily in view in John chapter 15 is the second way of pruning, pruning that comes through the teaching of the word of God. In fact, the word prunes that you see there in verse two is actually the same word translated clean in verse three. You're already clean, says Jesus, you're already pruned. Why? Because of the word I have spoken to you. God does his pruning through his speaking as the Holy Spirit takes the words of Jesus and cuts deep into our hearts. We see the same thing in verse seven and eight. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As God's word remains in us, as we pray to our Father in heaven, his word does its work in our hearts. And as a result, his life becomes evident in our lives. And so my second question for you this morning is this. Are you being pruned by the Father? Are you prayerfully opening up the word of God on a daily basis and allowing that word to shape you, to instruct you, to warm your hearts? and to remind you of the good news of the gospel. Or to put it another way, do you want to be more fruitful? Because if you do, then you need to be rooted in the word of God. Firstly, we need to be joined to Jesus if we want to bear fruit. Secondly, we need to be pruned by the Father. And that brings us to our third and final question, which is this, what does the fruitful life actually look like? Well, the simple answer to that question is it looks like Jesus. At its most basic level, the fruit in John chapter 15 is the fruit of Christ's likeness. To become more fruitful is to become more like Jesus. And in the second half of chapter 15, the fruit of Christ's likeness seems to show itself in three main ways. We see the fruit of love, we see the fruit of fellowship, and we see the fruit of joyful obedience. Let's look first at the fruit of love, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Every one of us, I think, wants to be loved and wants to love, but for that to happen, truly happen, we must be joined to Jesus because it is his love that flows out of us. You see, the Christian faith isn't just about Christ's love for us, not just what he's done for us. It's about Christ's love in us. 
a love that spills out of our lives into the lives of others. And the pattern for that Christian love is given to us in verse 12 and verse 13. My command is this, says Jesus, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. It is the single greatest act of love in the history of this world. When God's son left heaven and went to the cross for you and that costly, sacrificial, self-giving, other-centered love is to be the pattern of our love for each other. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Yet of course that's only possible as we remain in his love, as his love flows out of us into this world. Secondly, we have the fruit of fellowship. Did you notice how Jesus is referred to his disciples in verse 13? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. We see the same word used in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. And again in verse 15, I have called you friends. What a stunning description that is of our relationship with Jesus. Listen to these words, if you would, from J.C. Royal. This is indeed a glorious privilege to know Christ, serve Christ, follow Christ, obey Christ, work in Christ's vineyard, fight Christ's battles. All this is no small matter. But for sinful men and women like ourselves to be called friends of Christ is something our weak minds can hardly grasp or taken. Jesus calls us friends because he brings us into the most intimate fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Have a look again at verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Don't know whether any of you remember the old BBC drama that was um, screened back in the 1970s upstairs, downstairs, set in this big London mansion where you have the family quarters upstairs and, and the servants' quarters downstairs. And, and these two just didn't integrate. Only when the servants came up to do something, and then they're sent back down below. You see, that's not how it works with the household of God. When we are joined to Jesus, there is no downstairs. He brings us into the very heart of his father's home. He reveals to us his father's business. He calls us friends. Tim Keller defines friendship like this. A good friend is someone who always lets you in and never lets you down. That's Jesus, isn't it? He always lets you in. He doesn't keep you at arm's length. He's, he's never too busy. He always lets you in. And when he does, he never lets you down, not once. And we're called to extend that same sense of fellowship and friendship into the lives of others. Firstly, the fruit of love. Secondly, the fruit of fellowship. And thirdly, the fruit of joyful obedience. Now, many people wouldn't use those two words in the same sentence, joy and obedience, but Jesus does. Have a look at verse 10 and 11. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, 
just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, the principle is actually quite simple. If you love someone, you'll want to please them, right? That's how it works. Because I love Han, I want to please her. And in the same way, God wants our obedience to flow not from duty, but from joy. He wants love to be the driving force. Not like the elder brother in Luke chapter 15. Do you remember that parable? The younger brother goes away and squanders his father's wealth in wild living. The older brother stays at home, obediently working for his father. But it's, he does it begrudgingly. There's no joy in his service. And that's not the sort of obedience that God wants for two reasons. Number one, it will not bring glory to God. If we do not serve him out of love, out of the right motive in our hearts. And secondly, it will not bring joy to you either. That's why Jesus says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, whatever the global conditions right now, whatever's happening in this world with coronavirus, however fearful or vulnerable or afraid you may feel, whatever your specific circumstances, please hear this this morning. There is immeasurable joy immeasurable joy in being joined to Jesus. And when we are joined to Jesus by faith, his love will spill out of our lives into the lives of others. The fellowship that Jesus extends to us will be extended into the lives of others, even those who are currently outside the kingdom of God. And we will serve our King, both now and forever, in joyful obedience. You did not choose me, says Jesus in verse 16, but I chose you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that there is life in Christ Thank you that when we are joined to Jesus by faith, we will bear fruit for the glory of God. And Father, how we pray that you would help each one of us to remain in close communion with Christ, that our, our daily walk with him would be intimate and full of joy. That as we do, your love might spill out of our lives into the lives of others. Lord, we pray that that wonderful fellowship that you've extended to us, we might also extend into the lives of others. And we pray, Lord, that we might serve you not out of duty, but in glad and joyful obedience as we consider again all that you've done for us in Christ to bring us into your wonderful presence. We pray all these things for his name's sake. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now in response to God's word. Please do join in at home in a way that is helpful for you.